Thank you. First of all, please interrupt. So please ask. I, I know the audience is very good at that. So, <laughs> I've seen very good examples of that during the past three weeks. So actually, if you interrupt me, that helps me understand how I should speak about this. So first, a little introduction. I'm at the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. And we're physically located inside Utpush University here on the fourth floor. There's a river in the front, and there are hills, mountains behind <coughs> us. This is a group where I work, Tomasz Vizek's group. His group has several parts, and I'm in the part that is subsidized or paid for by the Hungarian Academy of Sciences. That's the Danube? Yeah, that's the Danube. Yeah, here, behind the picture also. Is it Budapest? Yes, it's, it's Buda. This side is Buda, the west, southwest, actually. And the other side is Pest. So you're welcome to visit. If there's a conference and you want to stay a little longer after that, just send me an email about a month before so that I can help you arrange that. This work, the work that I'm going to talk about, is done together with Wendell Lim and Chao Tang at UCSF and Peking University, and Mihai Koltai, who's at the Sorgic Lab, Victor Sorgic's lab, at the Zentrum für Molekularbiologie Heidelberg. And of course, these generous organizations have been supporting our work, Hungarian Academy of Sciences, UCSF Center for Systems and Synthetic Biology, and the Hungarian American Enterprise Scholarship Fund. So there's the first slide. Oh, actually, I, I need to mention that I have 24 slides, as David suggested the other day. So this is probably the right amount. I, I hope you will ask any questions. So maybe, well, definitely all of you have, have faced this, this problem or, or this, this change, this ongoing change in, in molecular biology, but, but in all, many other fields of science that numbers have an increasing influence on the way we think, or let me formulate it in a different way. There has been enormous success, or well, maybe I shouldn't use a positive word, success. I should use the word change. There have been enormous changes in our environment caused by physics, chemistry, and other natural sciences engineering by, by using a lot of numbers, by, by being very quantitative. And that has happened throughout the 20th century, mostly. And it's still ongoing. and. And, and all of you are very familiar with this. I'm just trying to give you my approach about this, how biology also is becoming more quantitative. Here are a few examples of that. What, what was most impressive for me recently is that the ENCODE project did not publish individual papers, but they published groups of papers, making it entirely hopeless for any mortal to read the <laughs> papers. So I, I, what is the ENCODE project? Sorry. I think there there is at least there are at least two people or three people in the audience who are more knowledgeable about this than me. Encyclopedia of DNA. Okay. Yeah, Encyclopedia of DNA Elements. By organism? Yeah. Just Yes. One 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 of the central individuals in this is Ewan Burney, as I understand, at, at the EBI. And, and there are many other very influential and very resource-intensive research groups working on this. So I, well, maybe I'm too naive, but 
I think the major questions still remain, how does it work, let's understand it, and what can we build? So despite all this data, despite all, all the information that maybe, is, may, maybe it is not so informative after all, maybe, maybe it's just numbers, because very often it is criticized, we, we want to understand how does it work, and then let's figure out what can we build. I think if you can ask questions or, or be very critical at this point, it's very helpful to, to avoid that I talk about things that you don't like. Or, or to, talk, to, to avoid that I talk in, in ways that you don't like. With this audience, someone will dislike anything. Yes, exactly. I'm prepared to that. I'm prepared to that. And, and this will be a major theme. This will be a major theme. And this is actually very good. Very good. This is why I dare to, to say yes when, when Greg asked about the talk. Because I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. So behavior in time, dynamics, is central in, in this approach. Let me move on. These are some of the biochemical behaviors that, that people have seen, that people are talking about, that people are analyzing. If your favorite biochemical behavior is not there, please say it. Or please criticize why, why that is here, which, which does not belong there. After a while, if you, if you look at these behaviors, well, people notice different things here. One of the things that many people notice is that the mathematical tools used to define these behaviors are so different, are very, very different. And I will... Okay, 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 so let me put down. Okay. Yeah, periodic, periodic, chaotic oscillations. Yeah, chaotic motion. Oh, chaotic motion. Is cooperative binding the same thing as sex? <laughs> Not exactly. <laughs> it's related, even though maybe. <laughs> yeah, chaotic oscillation and motion. And what was the other one? Fluctuation. Fluctuations. Yeah. Stochastic there. Yeah. So uh, you see that. Whenever, I will come back to this later on. But if you would like to pick a mathematical tool and say that that is the one defining biochemical behaviors, then you can go only wrong. Because if you say that the, for example, the response function of a system is its biochemical behavior, there is input in time, so it's a, I'm sorry, for you, it's like this, yeah, input in time, and there's output in time, so a mapping from the input function to the output function is the biochemical behavior, and someone would say, no, I know a different mathematical tool. It's the frequency response. Or someone else might say, there's a nonlinear system that I'm interested in. So you see, there, there's, there's a lot of well, ambiguity about this. And, and <laughs> this, is, this is the most, well, the, the slide that, that I, I would like to ask you to comment on probably mostly is uh, I'm starting with a second statement. I received my training in computational statistical physics slash biophysics. I received my PhD in 2004. And during our undergraduate years, very often we heard this sentence, and probably those of you who were trained in physics also. With three parameters, you can explain almost everything. Or 
the, the inverse of the statement is, whenever you use four parameters, don't do that. I will not believe it. Don't put it in your lab notebook. If you can do it with three, that's better. If you can do it with two, I will believe it. And the other one is, come on, biology is too complicated. It's, it's just rich. Go away with your three parameters. So th those two are, are simply not in synchrony with each other. Uh, probably you, you have met this very often before. So those of you who are who have been for, for definitely for much longer than me in this field, you, you know this. I'm just trying to continue. Please, please comment on this or, or please say you agree, you disagree. This doesn't make sense. This makes sense. So what, what do you, so I, I'm trying to now outline the why of this project, why we're doing this. Hypothesis-driven research, analytic research is very often complemented these days with a data-driven approach. And, and both sides very often question each other's approach. Why, why is that meaningful? But the two things will, will finally have to cooperate. So the two things will have to go together. And what I've, showed you, what I've shown you before is there is a large variety of observed dynamical patterns. So the patterns that we would like to understand, how do we make sense of them? How do we do that? Very, very often, if we want to understand something or, or a large set of patterns, we group them. We try to find very basic, simple patterns. For example, two, three, four. So here, here's, here's this approach. We, we try to find a small number of patterns, a small number of things, a small number of entities, and we try to build up possibly all, or, or maybe most, maybe 80-90% of all the observed behaviors from those. So let's figure out what, what those patterns could be, what those basic patterns could be, and let's build up almost everything, well, maybe 80-90% of, of what we have observed from these. So first, the first approach that I will show you will be an enzymatic, a three-node enzymatic network with max, mass action kinetics and in a computational model in coupled ODEs that are simulated and numerically, so simulation means in, in this context numerically integrated. I will show you that I've computed patterns from this model, which means they're output functions, only the output functions, and then try to cluster them. So that was the first approach. And the second one, is to find a small number of analog signaling components and to try to build all the observed behaviors from these components. So when you say cluster, you mean you vary the, the parameters of the model and kind of see regions of the face face of parameters that are qualitatively similar? Is that what cluster means? Clustering, yeah. thanks for the question. Yeah, thanks for the question. So clustering in this context means that Compute, I compute all the output functions. So this is a single-valued, non-negative, real function in time. Discretize that function. And then cluster all these functions. So basically, each function is then a vector, if you discretize. In, in time. In time, exactly. So you get a variety of functions somehow. Yes. You get them by varying the parameters? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. 
actually even even less than that, there are three nodes, and the three nodes can be connected in many ways. And you will see that. So this is another motivation slide for for this approach. I, I will give you more introduction or more more general thinking about this. So basically we're trying to copy the, the way that the periodic system was assembled. Or we were, so that, that's, that's one very clear, almost crystal clear example currently that there are units like carbon atom that are basic and we can use them to build things. Unfortunately, this will not be so simple. So this is, this is the ideal case that we find something like that, but I'm quite sure we will not find anything like that. And here's the three node network that the limb and tongue labs have worked a lot with. The, and other people, of course, also. So A receives the input. It can have an effect on B, and B can have an effect on A, and so forth. And there are self-regulatory effects, too. And, and this link can be positive or negative, and it can have a weight on it, too. I will go into more detail about this. And it's nonlinear? Yes, it's nonlinear because the B has two. So each of these enzymes has two different forms. A has an inactive and an active form. I will show you. Yes, I will show that. But just to give you the, the outline. Each of them has an inactive and an active form. And in this model, the active form of A affects, the, it shifts the balance between the inactive and the active form of B. And that is done proportionally to the product of A active, B inactive. And there is the nonlinearity. And this comes from some model of a circadian clock, or is it actually an experimental system that these guys are playing with, or a simple model system to get insights from? It's a model system with a very strong motivation from the limb lab, where they work with enzymes, scaffolds, and they actually change the small molecular pockets. So there is a very, there's a long history of, of biochemical tinkering with these components. Of course, not just in the limb lab, but, but in that area, in that in that so field. Those are enzymes? Or those yes, are you, can, you, should think, you, you should think of them as enzymes, active and inactive form. So each, each has an inactive and an active form. This is one, one kind of model that people think about. Of course, there are other types of control circuits, transcriptional or, or other circuits. But to follow up on that question, you're spewing out products which are not shown in the cartoon? The, the output, the output well, is the concentration. So the input is the, the input is actually another enzyme, and it shifts the balance between the inactive and active form of A, and the output is the concentration of the active form of C. So there's a substrate that every one of these enzymes acts upon? Actually, if, if all links are there, then all of them are both substrates and enzymes. Yeah. Okay. That that may actually that to well as a side comment that that makes the clear Michaelis Menten kinetics not applicable. If if there is a compound that is not just an enzyme in, in a reaction, but in a different one, it's a substrate. 
because there, for, for the derivation of the Michaelis-Menten kinetics, there is an assumption that E plus ES is E total, whereas it might already participate in a different complex. So that, that doesn't work. I'm still a little yeah. bit confused, I guess. Um, I'm not sure where, where the products are coming in here. Maybe it will become clearer when uh, you so proceed to, uh, to the substance of... A uh, couple of slides yeah. further. Okay, uh, uh, you will probably need to wait three slides, for three slides more. Okay, uh, there I will, I will outline. So, so here... No, it's not the trick to make the audience forget. So this, this is a, a partial list of the mathematical constructs or the mathematical tools that you can use to define behaviors. I've told you about this. No, actually, I, I think I've told you about input-output, yeah, this one. Input-output, quasi-static, input-output relationship. And if this area is non-zero, then you say that this is the amount of hysteresis. Or it, it can actually go back to, to this axis. So it, it need not end here. So there's output in time also, or output-input in the frequency regime, frequency space. And also, there is the differential response. And then there are other possible mathematical tools that, that some of you might be your favorite tools. So input in time and initial state. Direct pro you take the direct product of these two spaces and then map to output in time. Th there are many. And let, let's look at the periodic table, how, 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 how this happened, how, how this table actually became periodic. I would like to point out one number here, it's 1869. So Mendeleev and, and other people, <coughs> well, not, not, so it was not entirely Mendeleev's achievement, but not, not only his achievement, but his and his contemporaries. So by 1869, it was quite clear that this table is periodic. Why is it periodic? Let's, let's think about it a little bit. Our current explanation, I underline the word current, our current explanation is at the core of quantum mechanics. But there was no quantum mechanics whatsoever at that time. So how did, how did they find it? How did they find this table? It seems that uh, as if, you, if you read about it, I, I read a little bit about it, not, not too much, but my impression from that was that they wrote up a lot of numbers. So they, they wrote down and they looked for patterns, not just him, but also other people. And after a while, they, they figured out that it might be a good idea to look for periodically reappearing features. But to define these actual units, the atoms, it took more than two millennia. So we shouldn't be too unhappy if we don't find biochemical behaviors overnight. On the other hand, we have now a lot of data and a lot of people working on biochemical problems, or more generally in, in the life sciences. So maybe the number of human work hours counts. So maybe we shouldn't wait. Maybe we don't need to wait for, for two millennia. But the main question is here how to how to figure out what is the appropriate grouping method and in my opinion this is this is very similar to physics you look for patterns correlations 
we look for reappearing, periodically reappearing quantities. Or, or you try to, now I'm, I'm moving forward to, to your questions, how, how I actually did it. This is just a list of models, and, and I'm showing you that it's ordinary differential equations that I'm, I'm using. So the, these are for, for regulatory networks, mostly for biological regulatory yeah, networks. Petri net is, is done on a it's, not, not, it's not connected to the Petri dish. No, 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 no. It's, it's something else. It just happens to have the same sequence of characters in its name. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's even the same person, Petri and Petri. Or, so here, here's the answer to your question. So here's the signal. The inactive form and the active form of A are in balance. And this balance is shifted by this input signal. The active form of A influences both B and C. And B, the active form of B, has a negative effect on this balance. So it, it pushes the balance this way. This is an example of the links. And there are basal enzymes, too. For example, when C receives only a positive input, there's a basal enzyme pushing it back this way. And the response is the concentration of the active form of C in time. But those feedback curves, those are functions of uh, <coughs> products and substrates like this, right? Is that, there's more here than just the three enzymes. Well, there, there are the basal enzymes, too, the ones moving. But enzymes are normally just talking to each other. There's intermediate products and substrates. So. Oh, do you, do you mean that MEP, the MEP kinase pathway, they, they actually, so an enzyme changes an enzyme, changes an enzyme, and that might have a feedback on the first? Well, usually an enzyme's changing a but is, is, substrate. Is it fair to say that A star, in the form of A, is an enzyme that mediates the transition from B to B star? And, and then B star itself, it, it just repeating what you said, and, and so these are both substrates and enzymes. Products and substrates <coughs> and enzymes are all similar identity here. Yes, they, so one entity can be both a product and an enzyme. Is that what you're, that, that's, that's kind of what you're asking. So we are thinking of some kinase uh, cascade here, right? So it's similar to one that. kinase activates right. the yes. next kinase and how do we came Yes, yes. So this, this lab, the LIM lab, and, and collaborators work a lot with the yeast mating pathway and other yeast pathways. So that, that's, that's the very strong motivation behind it. Is that a satisfactory answer to your question? No, not really. <laughs> okay. So if you take looking at things like that, I'm sorry. The nodes are usually or often substrates, and then the arrows the enzymes. Oh, nodes are. Oh, I understand. So you're used to different visualization. Okay. So usually the enzymes sit here. Okay. And yeah, the enzymes sit here, and here is the e, etc., etc., number. Of the end. Okay. These these are the actual molecules are here, and the interactions are the arrows or 
are, are blunted arrows. But that's yeah, that's a different way of visualizing it. And here's the next way of visualizing it, just to confuse you even more. <laughs> so the this one represents both A and A star, and this one B and B star, and and so on. So this is the one, the picture that that many people actually use. So here's the input signal, and here's the response. This is now actual computed input output relation. So there are a total of nine possible links among the three nodes, and each of them can be positive or negative, and each can have additionally a number on it. Now for simplicity, in, in this talk I will use only weights one, so unit weights. That means there there are yes, um, 16,000. So I, I'm not going to do the computation because there are some degenerate topologies too. But 16,030 16, 16, something, 38 possible topologies. <coughs> I, I have the number here. So this is an ODE system with many different signals, topologies, reaction rate sets. The reaction rate sets are now absent from this presentation. So no, rea no specific reaction rates, just unit reaction rates everywhere. And different start states, so 1, 1, 1, or 0, 1, 1. What does the 1 mean? It's just... 1, yes. 1 means that all, all of... I'm sorry? Rate is increased linearly with the concentration of... So rate B to B star is... Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. So in this, this particular case, Here, thanks. So this is just for a a star. So the active form of a. You see that for a star we have the signal. So there is signal. This is the coupling constant from the signal, and there is the concentration of inactive a. And then there's the back arrow minus k. Well, what what should I put here? K inactivation or deactivation. Times a star plus there's the effect of b. Actually, this is a minus. Minus. A, oh, I should put the coupling constant first. This is the coupling constant from B to A. We need to figure out how much B active we have. And then how much A active we have. And this is, this is the nonlinear part. And if we set the total amount of A to 1 or to a fixed number, then we can replace A star with 1 minus A. So let's move on. Thanks. 
So how do you choose your Ks? You scan, do some parameter scan for all Ks? And... I've done scans. Now let's look only for the case when all of them are one. Okay. Just to keep it simple. It... So this is one output function, and let's discretize it. In time, let's use 100 bins. And in function value, let's use 20 bins. Actually, I was hoping that I could use clustal W or clustal X from, uh, some of you may, may know sequence align, multiple sequence alignment methods. So not just binary or a few, but really robust methods. But it didn't work, and I will tell you why, and that will bring me further, why it didn't work. So in each box, you look for the mean of the value. So for example, here at, at box number one, you see that it's somewhere around D, so it's just the third value. And I think it's first, no, the first is A. So it's actually here, the average value is <coughs> A, I, M, N. So the, the, the reason why I, I wrote it down as in similar, in a format, mathematically similar format to an amino acid sequence, is I, I wanted to use the, the robust multiple sequence alignment methods, but it didn't work, but, but those didn't work. I, I wanted to cluster such red output functions. And I tell you why it didn't work, <coughs> the, the way I expected it to work. Because for sequence alignment, you have a similarity matrix. You can define your own similarity matrix. And usually those are, those are not, not, not based on, on a sequence, the actual sequence of, of values. But usually A is similar to something here and something here. Then C is similar to something here and something here. But what we need here, the matrix itself, mathematically, is not band diagonal. The matrix itself, if you, in those methods, Left Here's the similarity matrix of, I mean, when you use clustal W for multiple sequence alignment methods. Oh, of course, there's a diagonal, but it's kind of random. So it, you cannot block diagonalize it. Whereas for this method, you need something like this. Band diagonal. These are mathematically different, so I should have understood this in advance, but unfortunately, I realized it only after. So the underlying differential equations you're playing with don't have, I mean, the enzymes are so copiously present, we don't have to worry about noise, and you only have five copies of the enzyme, you will have some stochastic nature of these chemical networks. That, that's being left out at this point? Yes, and that's a big problem. I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm still I'm a little confused how you choose the driving function. I mean, there's presumably an infinite set of ways to drive these Thank things. you for asking that. That's one of the additional slides. It's, it's this. We, we didn't talk about this with Max before, so he's not, he's not an agent. <laughs> but um, it's actually... Well, um, well, noise is one of the big questions, and the other one, the input functions. 
So with with people from the group, so people working on uh, on wet lab problems, I I tried to discuss this, and what came out of this in the end that I listed thirty something functions that seem to be meaningful biologically. These these are of these types. There are constants, transitions, and oscillations. <coughs> Probably, if, if you know a better way of doing it. Well, you could put in a sign, maybe. <laughs> uh, that's. Maybe that doesn't happen. Yeah, the, the, yeah, actually, people are tempted to say at this point that you can do Fourier transformation of the whole problem, but it's nonlinear. It's actually very, very fundamentally nonlinear. So that, that maybe for, for small responses, for linear small responses, and differential responses, you can do that. Which might be actually a good idea. For, for differential responses, it's, it is linearizable everywhere because it's smooth everywhere. So let, let's move on. Because I, I, I see that some wet lab people are getting bored. Uh, find it boring? Okay. So let, let's, let's see the next attempt about clustering the functions. Blue is one output function, and red is another output function. So there's a constant, and red makes a jump of one. Remember, there were 20 bins along the vertical axis. So this one was, was just a jump of one. So these two, I say that these two functions are neighbors. I'm, I'm again using a different visualization. So this one is a function, red. And now this red function is visualized as a dot here. It's an output function in time. And now this blue function, it's also an output function on its own right, visualized again as a dot. And these two are connected because they are neighbors. Because there's, there's a difference of one. That, that's the largest difference between them. Yes? I don't quite know where you're going with it. Because this is pretty arbitrary, right? So you take a different threshold, and different things will end up connected. That's true. That's true. And, uh, it's an infinite dimensional space that is being parameterized. Um, you know, I have that fear. Started, I have that started, fear deep uh, in my heart. Started too. by saying uh, that you you want to do something analogous to Mendeleev, but uh, if I remember the story told, he had a finite number of cards, and uh, he was just arranging them. Right? It's a pretty big combinatorial problem, but at least it's finite. You have an explicitly infinite combinatorial problem. <coughs> so. That's, I think, why we're all asking how you're going to characterize your different input functions and output functions. And ultimately, of course, the question is, how are we going to know whether this theory is right or wrong? I mean, it's so general, can it even be wrong? Yes, that's true. So the, the mathematical problem itself is, is really scary and, and very general. It's, it's frighteningly general, exactly. And what makes it less general is the actual list of input functions and the actual way of discretization. So you don't, you don't trust the discretization. And it has 
Yes. Now, uh, you, you seem to be um, introduce a sort of major difference between yes. outputs uh, in terms of the really uh, magnitude of difference. But yes. sometimes we think about certain certain shape of functions. Now, it looks uh, very, you know, it's very similar, but it's uh, only doubled like this. Yes. They look more similar than the ones with flat or something. Yes. So, so certain aspects, you know, uh, we, we might we might think that uh, uh, this can be similar, probably because if you adjust some some other parameters, it becomes closer. So yes. uh, so the, whether we are thinking in terms of the shapes or uh, you know real magnitude, all these things are. Uh, once you choose these particular ones, uh, you might be uh, you might lose, you know, sort of the exclude the possibility, other possibilities. Yes. Yeah. So that is a problem, of, not not a problem. It's a question of the choice of the measure. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree that actually the biggest the the biggest question here is what to exclude. That that's really physics approach. What to exclude? What what to neglect? And in my opinion, if you so what, what, you, what you mentioned is that these two functions are similar. Even though, even though this one is f and this is 2f. So in, in your opinion, is there a sequence of functions 1.1 times f, 1.2 times f, 1.3 times f, connecting these two? So do you, do you consider them the same group? Connection between them. No, I, I, I don't say that with what is that with what should be used. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you see, uh, when we talk about, you see, uh, say like this, we have two curves like this, you know, and we think this is a very similar. You see, these two are very similar compared to like this. You see, this numerically is very similar. But, it, but in shape, this is similar. Yeah. So, so um, I don't know, but uh, so so um, the choice of the um, of the actual distance measure distance influences is a lot. Important. Uh, yes. I don't know how we, we are doing this intuitively, right? Yes. Once we choose this, then we can introduce some mathematical formula. Yes. But once you start from this one, then uh, I don't know. This basically tells that if they are close, then they should belong to the same group. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So they, and, and actually, it, when I show you the result, you will see that you are right. <laughs> because, okay. because the result shows that this ends up clustering too many things together. So I think your, your suggestion should be followed here. That, that more should be taken apart more carefully. I will move on more quickly. So th these two are not neighbors. And then there are, to answer your question, maybe partially, 93,000 different discretized output functions. So it's, yeah, I, I know, I know, I'm aware that the total possible, so the possible number, the list of possible continuous, non-negative, real input functions over time is infinite, and that is mapped into a similarly continuously infinite space. So there is a mapping from an infinite to an infinite, which is, I think, well, the, the actual, to even go into more detail, I think it's 2 to the power Aleph from, 
from to the power of to two to the power of whatever mapping or, or that that number, a very large number, which is in, in biology. Uh, so that, that belongs to the second box that I showed you with three parameters. Should we explain everything? But I, I think we we should find numerically a compromise between those. So I will show you one cluster where you take each of the boxes on the horizontal axis and you take each of the boxes on the vertical axis. 100 times 20. And then you superimpose all the functions that you see in this group. And you are right, you were, you, you, you were right that, that too many things are clustered together here. You see that 90,000, so almost all 93,000 92,000 out of them are clustered together in this cluster. So they should be they should be analyzed more carefully with probably with something similar to your suggestion. This is actually a cluster that already makes more sense to the human eye. Down and then up. Here here's this one, this vertical bar is the density at one specific spot. So here at time 70 and value, say, 9, the density is around 0 0.1 of the total in the cluster. So the total 92,000, 10% are at time 70 at height 9. And the ensemble of functions that you're bidding comes from varying the inputs? Yes, varying the inputs and varying the topologies. Yes. And I think that's a very good suggestion, actually, what you told that, that those shapes should be separated more carefully. And this is one other. So the smaller ones actually make more sense. But the big one is too big. Yes? Have you looked at uh, different input functions? So have you looked at uh, how it clusters when you just take one input function? Not yet, not yet. That's, that's important, I agree. So let's move on to the next one. I, I intentionally put this first because this is harder. The next one is much easier. So the next approach. And sorry, just a point yeah. of information. Is a principal component analysis going on here, or is it just? Clustering, clustering. Yeah, clustering. Thank you for asking that question. That was not, I, I did not talk about that in detail. It's, here is one function, so I represent one function with a dot, and the other function also with a dot, and the two are connected if they are neighbors in specific sense. And then these two are connected, and these two, and this is a graph component. And then this is the next graph component, and so on. Okay, but again, as you said, you can regard these as, as points in some high-dimensional vector space. You could do a principal compound analysis uh, with similar results, or is it just a different name for the same thing that you're doing? With principal, uh, so I, I'm not quite sure about principal component analysis. What? Um, so now, now that it, it it's become more clear that this is an important issue, I'm not sure how PCA would resolve that. SVD. <laughs> yes. 
And you looked on your com uh, connected component uh, clustering. <coughs> Have you considered uh, looking at densely connected Cfinder. Yes, sorry. K click. K click methods. percolation. Exactly. Yeah, that's the next step. Yes, probably. Yeah. And so that would give you yeah, dense. So that they should be densely connected. That, that could give a finer resolution yes, of uh, exactly. clusters. So more, more density. Yes. So if I understand correctly, what you're describing is uh, uh, the procedure that some, sometimes described uh, called uh, uh, in silico screens, right? So people <laughs> want to uh, generate some, uh, well, uh, I won't name any names, but uh, there, there, there are a number of uh, like rational drug design, you mean? Like rational drug design? Or? Well, no, modeling. So okay. one uh, writes down uh, a model, it has lots of parameters, one doesn't quite know which parameters to, to choose, then uh, one does uh, uh, this in silico screen, which basically means take. Uh, uh, a large random set, uh, random uh, set of parameters. Nano Barkai. Okay, Nano Barkai. Uh, and uh, then one picks, uh, <laughs> if you like, the fraction of parameters that give the desired phenotype. So let's say in uh, in your case, uh, you know, some uh, response with a maximum. Uh, uh, Yes, there. And uh, so part of the problem with that is, uh, you know, then so the number is given that, you know, 12 out of 90,000 90, is uh, 42 out of 90,000 is, uh, is a number. But of course, uh, what's in the denominator is actually not defined, right? Because yes. if you just increase the range of some parameter, which is allowed to go to infinity, <coughs> and it changes uh, nothing, then of course uh, this fraction will go to, to zero. So number is completely meaningless, right? So it's just a way of uh, searching the large parameter space. So perhaps a better way of uh, saying it, uh, or you know, setting things up, with, uh, which is also sometimes done, is you just find the parameter for which it works, and then you say, uh, is this behavior sensitive to changes of parameters in logarithmic scale? Yeah. Right? You're so, done. So but, uh, but these uh, sort of explorations of uh, infinite parameter spaces are, I guess. I, I feel there's a deep emotional part of that, which is, which is in, in the theoretical physics. So I, I was also trained in, in that, well, that pocket of science that, that, that there's a deep fear of, of infinitely large things which, which cannot be solved. But I think, scan, so uh, to reply to the first part of your question, I think that, so in my personal opinion, that, that it's always questionable if you, if you find ratios. So I have not mentioned any ratios, and I've not assigned any significance to how many I have found in one cluster. I'm just trying to figure out what can do what, what, what is possible in this whole space. So I'm, I'm just trying to list the animals in the zoo, and if there are new animals that we have not seen so far. That is the basic idea. And then let, let's move on to the next one, that is 
it is much, much easier. And the zoo is what? It's this class of different biochemical reactions? Yes, Biochem biochemical behaviors, yes. What determines the number? So you have three enzymes, basically, right? Why do you choose what determines this? You could take two. You could take two, exactly. One is not so interesting, two is more interesting, three is more interesting, and four is too much. Yeah, two, for example, numerical. Maybe bifurcation analysis to solve the problem. Yes. Also, a lot depends on the actual dynamics. So this is the simplest mass action dynamics. But if you add more to it, then then that will change a lot about ultra sensitivity and, and others. So let's move on a little bit and let's try to pick five things. Again, I have no first principles proof for this. Just five things that might be able to reproduce in, in simple combinations <coughs> the biochemical behaviors observed so far. So input is again a single real valued function in time none, negative, and start with constant, inverter and amplifier, multiplication and summation, and each element has some delay, and let's construct other biochemical behaviors from these. Let, let's play with them. So there is integration, and adaptation, which is in, in the analog language, analog signal processing language is a differentiator. Do you agree with these? Are, are you fine with these? Be critical. I see you're critical, so please, please say it. You're okay with it. It's trivial, or it's not trivial. It's trivial. Okay, so just just playing again with, with more boxes. So there's exponential oscillation and then harmonic os the harmonic oscillation that you mentioned before. And this one seems too complicated actually. I, I think it, it doesn't have any significance. And then saturation, maybe that's an important thing, but switch is a nonlinear element. That's very important. Well, what would be helpful to me is to know something about the kinds of questions you want to address with this kind of methodology. Kinds of questions? What, are, what is the list of valid questions that are important for you? Whatever the ones you're interested in. Just Is the, is the general question that you're trying to answer, do we know all of the different kinds of biochemical behaviors? Is that that's one of the questions, yes. Question? Yes, that's one of the questions, exactly. Thanks for asking. And and you um, and, and in that area of, of science, we're at a point where these kinds of so so I imagine there's people biochemists that are doing reactions and coming up with lists of of um, behaviors, right? And um, and we're at a point now where we can <coughs> model it in this way, I guess, right? I mean, I'm an outsider, so, so please treat my question with some <coughs> No, uh, say it again. Please say it again. Um, I'm just trying to understand where we are in the science of this area of knowledge. That so, we, so in biochemistry, there's a uh, there's probably a list of, of biochemical reactions or behaviors, right? And is that the list you gave initially, or is that the list that kind of comes out of? It, it looks like that list comes out of more electronic circuit board and stuff. Oh, the language used for them might be more electronic. 
but but in biochemistry people are increasingly using that language so maybe you're there, there's a good example for it here people use adaptation in, in biochemistry whereas essentially if you look at it mathematically it's a differentiator so the, the sa it's the same mathematical definition and, and what is even more confusing Actually, it's quite typical of, of biological problems. You, you encounter it every day that the same thing has three different names or even more. And, and often people are not aware of that. So if you could go back to the previous slide, you had uh, boxes with red around them. So keep going. Yeah, there. So are you saying that you should show that the three enzyme system could act as a differentiator, integrator, amplifier, and so forth, but not the other things? Or what is the meaning of those red boxes? So if I go back to, I think, the third or the fourth slide, there were two different approaches that I was suggesting, one of them to model and the other one to build. Okay. The model approach was what I've told you about so far. Okay. And this is now the build approach. And, and, okay, fine. And then the red boxes are things that you know how to build? Things, things that you don't know how to build? Things that seem to be very basic. Things that that allow you to construct others. Okay, so I'm not yet so sure about how basic they are, but they, they seem they they, add, they they seem to be more more simple or, or it seems to be easier to construct the others combining these. Okay, so the, the conjecture is that using a building block with five uh, ingredients, a toolbox with five ingredients, you can make all the others. Hopefully, not not all. Hopefully, 80, 90 percent. Professor Shreman has one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it should occur to me that there are two developments which are sort of relevant to this. In the so depending on how you exactly pose the question. So if you pose the question of what are the possible biochemical behaviors, Marcelo Maniasco some probably 20 years ago amused himself by the following construction. Basically, uh, he wrote the paper, I don't quite know where it's published, um, which is called Cells Can Compute If They Want To. And uh, he basically <laughs> wrote down for a such a title. <laughs> and, uh, and he basically wrote down a few so elementary biochemistry equations and uh, showed that uh, he can build a universal computer out of it. Can you send the citation for that so, paper? So there is. Well, okay, I don't know how mathematically proof it is, but uh, I think by our present standards, <laughs> it will pass for a rigorous proof that uh, uh, um, uh, chemistry is a universal, is a Turing machine. Yeah. So anything um, behavior, any behavior you want, you can have, right? So the other approach is, uh, as you do here, is take these behaviors that have names and, uh, you know, uh, uh, interesting, and try to evolve a little biochemi biochemical circuit that will do it. And uh, uh, there, there is a rather interesting body of work doing exactly that. Uh, you know, Vincent Hakim and uh, Paul Francois studied at the Konoma a few years back, uh, and Eric Sidja and Paul Francois continued it in the context of uh, the morphogenesis. And uh, so they were basically. Uh, uh, evolve all of these behaviors and some more, including spatial structures and whatnot. Um, and there'll be sort of more than one way of doing it, of course. 
and some, uh, if you like, more frequently seen uh, mm -hmm. in uh, as outcomes of uh, uh, these evolutionary things. Yeah, I agree that uh, this, this way of thinking is a long tradition and uh, in theoretical biology. I think 1970, uh, Robert Rosen has a book about uh, this biochemical circuit can, can calculate these things. And probably he's not the first one, maybe Rashevsky in the 1950s. So uh, I think this is a really uh, sort of a mainstream of <laughs> theoretical biology. From the 70s, mainstream? Or? I don't know. Currently mainstream or in the 70s? Yeah, you, you can make it mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think this is a, uh, there are many people um, no, occasionally they think about this. Mm. Yeah. Could you connect, uh, I think your next slide, back to the ABC model that you were talking about before? Though, that ABC model is sort of implicit in... To this one? Yeah. You've got a free enzyme system, you're saying that it's not these are some of the behaviors, discrete behaviors that would be possible? Actually, no I, think, I think for, for these, let, let's take the five basic, so uh, the ones here, here that are listed here. Mm. I don't think that, that three are necessary for them. And I I'm, I'm not sure I can state more about the internal structure of these boxes. <coughs> so there, there should be actual molecules, actual biochemical examples that should be used here instead of the mathematical model. That's, that's my impression. So if, if actual proteins, kinases, phosphatases are used here, that's, that's more convincing than, than another mathematical model. I think we've uh, actually done a fair bit of uh, talking, me uh, included. Uh, maybe we should allow you to, uh, to finish. Oh. oh, okay, so we're almost done. Here's the switch. And convolution is actually also necessary later for the Fourier transform. That, so the reason why I wanted to involve convolution and Fourier transform is that in our ears there, there is Fourier transformation. But that's not necessarily a biochemical behavior. I'm not sure how, how often the Fourier transform is used elsewhere. So here are a few more questions. Many of these you have already asked. So why is all this different from analog electronics 101? I think it will be different by, by putting actual molecules in the boxes. So probably that's my answer to that question. And, how d I received this, this question already during lunch from Greg Huber, who is not here, so I'm asking his question. <laughs> so why is this different from work by Uriel, Andre, Calabar, Tilo Gross, and others? I showed you the list of, of models for the, for the dynamics of regulatory circuits, regulatory networks in biology. And my impression is that Reka Albert's work is mostly on this end, the Boolean networks. It's not the Petri, but the Boolean networks. Whereas Uri Alon's work is not centered around dynamics. His work is centered around topology. Even though after network motives, his work was also partly on dynamics, but not, not clearly on, on one of the items along this scale. And Timo Gross, if some of you know his name, 
is more f is focusing, and and people in in this in this field are more focusing on the mat very mathematical aspect of how to compute or how to simplify, how to map this entire range. That's my impression of my work. And here's the important question: Has no one ever ever done this before, or something very similar? And a few suggestions already arrived to that, and I, I would like to write them down later on. So why should I care about all this? <laughs> That's one important question. I think that, well, for, for the very pragmatic, I, I would like to give two answers to that. One is a very pragmatic, the other one is looking a little further ahead. The very pragmatic one is how to tinker with the actual molecules in the wet lab. So how can, can we expect something new from tinkering with the molecules? That, that comes, and I think David asked this question, or someone asked this question, relating this work to Nama Barkai's work. And I think that there's a very pragmatic answer, that how should I tinker with the molecules to get something practical out of that? But there are two ways to answer Boris, Professor Schreiman's question. Um, one of them is to look for actual purposes, actual targets, actual goals, and the other one is to map the zoo. And I think mapping the zoo is also an important aspect. What can you do with this number of components, with a restricted number of components? So if you have only a restricted pocket available for, for implementing something new, and, and again, looking a little, little further ahead, maybe 20 years, we, we see this constant change of human-machine contact. So we, we have this device that I, I don't have right now in my pocket. I have a very outdated Lenovo data phone. But this is really far, far below what we can achieve with our biochemistry, just things behind glass and pictures behind glass. This is, we, we can do a lot more with our biochemistry. And we, we could provide a roadmap for identifying the actual enzymatic circuits. And maybe this, this last question gives, gives you a little more context. Mihai Koltai, whom I showed you, used to be a student, uh, whom I advised. And his father works at a company. He actually is the head of that company that, prepared, that makes software for Texas Instruments. It's an analog electronic software package. It's called Tina, and it's an online package. They have gone online very recently, and we're talking with him whether these boxes plus some biochemical details, actual biochemistry, would be interesting for them, for biochemists online. So this is one of the goals, and I thank you for your attention. I know the questions, I think, pretty much related to what Rick was asking. So, as far as I can tell, it's really an unresolved issue of how pathways evolve. Right? And some of the work you're citing, they're, they're really saltational evolution issues. Here's a pathway, here's a pathway, and you don't worry about the, you know what they do. Um, but you don't worry about the transition from this state to that state. That's how evolution always occurs. You have a mutation in a population, and um, you have intermediate states, and so on. Um, I'm trying to get my head around what, how this relates to the evolution of pathways. So I'm mm -hmm. thinking that, uh, say.
seeing your first model um, by changing those K coefficients, I guess, or the input, you can fundamentally change the behavior of a, a simple system. Is that well, I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not answering your question. Maybe this is just a comment that, that, I, that I can reply. But my impression at this point is that there are two different approaches. One of them is to look for the functional aspect, and the other one is to look really at the deep biochemical level, how it works. And those two still do not meet, and they will not meet for a long time. In, in many cases, because the, the, the biochemical, the way how it works in actual cells, it's so intricate, so complicated that one, one has to be very often content with, with, with trying to figure out what is possible with a few components and then look for examples. But actually how it evolved, there, there are so many tricks in it, RNAs and then RNA-protein interactions and then this interacts with that and that interacts with that. And of course, there is a back door where, where this whole thing is changed. So there, there are so many. There's a number of fundamental questions. I mean, so your ABC model, for example, that could be just a linear pathway, right? If you break the yes. things. And you know, the question would be how do you, how do you turn this now into a, a cycle? Yeah, it's. I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to find links between what you're doing and. Uh, it's possible. I think it's possible to implement these in actual biochemical circuits, but to figure out how these evolved. So the 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 real case, the real case is so much more complicated and so much, so much more, so much richer. There are so so many more variables or ways. What 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 is actually scary for I think for most physicists is that there are so many different types of interactions qualitatively different types of interactions that makes this, this problem of, of signal transduction totally untractable with, with this physical approach, with this physics approach, let's take three parameters. So I think it's, it's not appropriate to talk about signaling pathways in this way. So if, if you want to understand something in the physics way, I, I think it's, it's really a valid approach to say, okay, I found this particular phenomenon where, where these three parameters are really important and the rest can be neglected under certain conditions. That's great, and that works in that particular setting, and maybe we can construct others and find more. But, but, the, but there's so much more out there, or, or, or on our skins, or in our gut, or wherever. So, so what I, does that mean? I don't quite understand what that means. Is that here, you I, I think you, you, you can, you can. Just, I think it's, it's, it's too, it's overconfident. So, one, one should be a little more modest as a physicist, and try not to explain the entire universe, but try, try to create very specific models and then implement them with the help of wet lab people in very specific ways, and they will work, because it's possible to make them work, because the physicists are trained to neglect. Things to, to understand what can be neglected, and that's very useful because there's a big danger in it. The big danger is that physicists think that they can explain more than they actually can. The slight danger with this approach is that it forces a kind of reductionism that I think implicit in your message 
actually doesn't exist. You know, that actually these degree, the interactions between components and between circuits and so on is immense. Uh, is a mess. Yes. And, and you know, I, I can see great value, in fact, in these sorts of approaches if they could go beyond just taking a simple circuit, you know, going to the lab, designing that, yes. showing that it works. The real problem, as an experimentalist dealing with these kinds of issues, is 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 when you find mutations whose effects are very distant from the mutation that you know, these mutations given rise to a particular new phenotype. And now you look to design principles and so on to explain this sort of stuff, and actually very often it just doesn't help you at all. And the reason it doesn't help is because the distance between the mutation and the phenotype that it engenders is, is, is enormous, and it's very complex because there are so many components talking to other components. So I can see again real value in asking these questions and building simple models, but ones where there are interactions. So we could see, for example, that the answer doesn't lie in, in one gene and one mutation. Actually, uh, it, the answer lies in, a, in, in the functional um, capacities and the kinds of interactions between components that are part of a circuit that are part of a, you know. Now, even just to express that, it almost sounds intractable, but somehow, Maybe these sorts of approaches, if they could build on these interactions, could really help us move to a more, I guess, uh, holistic. I didn't dare to speak about mutations throughout the entire talk. I, I, I didn't dare to do that. Yeah, that back to Michael's uh, well, see, I mean, I, I think you were implicitly talking about mutations, because you're talking about all these alternative pathways as though they really exist. Um, and those pathways came out of differences, I guess, in the... The wiring? The wiring and the, the rates. So to me, that's sort of fine. There's a big, there's a big gap between uh, a continuous list of coupling values that is possible in mathematics. So all, if, you, if you want to scan all possible parameters, that's a continuum of parameters, whereas in biochemistry, it's usually just one parameter, one coupling parameter that you have, maybe two. But then if you use the second, you have already messed up everything because you have changed it. So usually you have one. If you're lucky, you have two almost isoforms or, or similar things. And it's actually much easier in reality. You don't have from continuum to a continuum mapping. You just have a given set of values, and that's... That's what you can do. When you said, uh, I think when you talk about building, you're talking about predictions. Right? Can I make a prediction I can test? And the two really common ways to test this experimentally is one is mutation. It's the effect of... Disrupting. That, well, it's either disrupting or changing in some way. That there are many kinds of phenotypes of mutation. Or even the use of drugs. One of the interesting questions is why do some drugs work the way you think they work and other drugs work differently? If you put together the model, if, you, if, if there are five components that you could build which make predictions, um, you could ask the question, what happens if I inhibit this 50%? Mm -hmm. right? You have a quantitative model. You can ask those questions. And that's very powerful if then you have such a drug and you can test it because in spite of the fact that it's very complex, it approximates, it doesn't have to be exact, but it approximates uh, what you want to know. And this, that's a very powerful thing if you can do that. One of the things that's happened 
in my own field in, in cancer research is that uh, what the, through the use of drugs, one of the in humans actually, one of the things that's become apparent is that almost all signal transduction pathways have uh, feedback loops. Mm -hmm. These are positive feedback loops, which actually raise the concentration of the activity of the pathway when you're inhibiting a downstream yeah. element, right? And and that's. Or you're sometimes sometimes you're inhibiting the negative exactly. feedback, it, which is that, totally nonsense. Sure. Right. So. Um, that's a very useful thing to know, that in effect your substrate for the drug is changing as a function of time. And what that means, the dynamical system that's really quite interesting that has a predictive value. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I think that, that when you build something, you test your, your hypothesis. And it's pretty, it seems to me pretty powerful to have a model, even if it's not, uh, taking into account all of the intricacies of evolution. I mean, this is seems to be the same as the astrophysicist's space in multi-body problems, right? Yes, exactly. Um, that, that's why, <laughs> at the back of my mind, so I have several friends who work in nuclear physics, and when we were educated in, in undergraduate courses about physics, everything was exact and precise and neat and safe. But when, whenever they moved to nuclear physics at fourth and fifth grades, and, and they started telling us about their formulas, we, we told no, no, this is, this is devil's work. Because it was, it was so phenomenological. And they are happy with it, they work with it. Because the, the, the only thing that, that they took from their undergraduate courses is what should be neglected. What is important and what is less important. And modeling. I, I know it's, it, it, after a while, it may, maybe it doesn't make sense, but looking for correlations, patterns, and, and connections, causalities. This is, this is really what remains. <laughs> Nothing else. All, all everything. So everything else is really often useless. Well, thank you again for, for your questions. And I, I would like to write down, I would like to write down if, if any of you has, has more citations or work that I should write down, I would be happy to. Thank you.